0: Well, our message today is kind of a, a spinoff from what Pastor Guy shared a week or two ago of what is our church mission, and Randy will be sharing that with you a little later in our message, but that's what gave us the, the thought process for the sermon that we decided to share today, and uh, so that's where it comes from. If you have your Bible and you want to go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, that's where we'll be hanging out for the most part today. Um, If not, please just join in and listen. This past summer, Randy and I decided that we would like to take a vacation to one of our favorite places, which is Bethany Beach, Delaware. Anybody ever been there for vacation? Hands? One, two people. Oh my goodness. Well, there's a new place for you to check out, Bethany Beach, Delaware. It's wonderful. It's uh, not quite as commercialized as things are in Ocean City, so we like it. It's a nice family area. Beautiful beaches, too. But I started surfing on the internet looking for a condo for us because we wanted something that was beachfront. We don't live near the beach here in Pennsylvania, so if we have the chance, we want to be right on the beach. So that's what I was searching for. And pretty soon a condo popped up, and I thought, oh, this looks great. You know, it has a beautiful beach. The condo itself looked really nice, had a pool, all the amenities that you would want. And the price was a super good deal, which you know that was wonderful to me. I didn't, uh, couldn't believe we could get it for that cheap of a price. And so I told Randy I was so excited I'd found a place for us to go. And then I started reading the fine print. You know the stuff they make so tiny that you literally have to get a magnifying glass out to see it all. And. Uh, It kind of set me back for a minute because there was a linen fee that we had to pay, a cleaning fee that we had to pay, a parking fee that we had to pay, a pool fee that we had to pay, a pet fee. Well, we didn't have any pets, but um, sometimes I think Randy could count as a pet, so I probably still had to pay that fee, too. Just remember,
1: my turn's coming.
0: (laughs) By the time you added up all the fees, it nearly doubled the cost of the condo. So what was a super bargain now turned into anything but a bargain. It cost a lot of money. Needless to say, we didn't end up going to Bethany Beach this year for our vacation. We went to a place called Geneva on the Lake in Ohio, and it was lovely. We enjoyed it very much. But still like to get back to Bethany one of these days. But I think something like that's probably happened to most of us in this room, where something seemed like a super low price didn't cost much, and by the time you finished the whole process, it was costing an awful lot, way more than you expected it to be. Well, I think that's what happens sometimes to Christians, who, when they start out on their Christian walk, they think, this isn't going to cost me a lot, you know, all I have to do is ask Jesus into my heart, ask him to forgive my sins, and I'm saved, and that's it. And then they realize that there is a price that comes with that. There's some expectations on the other side of that. Things like coming to church. So that might mean giving up a Saturday night or a Sunday morning and getting involved sometime during the week, which might take you another evening or two of your time. Maybe giving some of your money to help with things that the church is trying to do here. Um, Reading your Bible and praying. That takes up some of your time. You have to start doing good things and stop doing some of the bad things that you've done in the past and depending on what church you become a part of there's a lot of other things that sometimes um, you have to give up things like dancing uh, TV movies video games um, some foods you no longer can eat some people can't wear blue jeans anymore or makeup Uh, can't swim in a public pool Some you can't do caffeine. That would be a really tough one for me. I need my caffeine to get started each day. Well, you know, the list is is pretty long, and I probably exaggerated a couple of those things a little bit. But you get the idea that there's a lot of things that sometimes creep into our life as a Christian and what we think that's all about. And it's no wonder that so many Christians um, just find themselves in that place where they feel like, hey, this is impossible You know, I'm trying to follow the rules, and every time I think I'm starting to follow them, they add 29 more to the list. I just can't do it. I cannot do it. And yet they roll up their sleeves, and they try to give it the old college try, you know, and maybe for a week or two, they do pretty good with things. You know, they're not sinning, and they're reading their Bible every day, and they're praying, and they're getting to church, and then life gets busy, and some of those things fall by the wayside, and they get disillusioned with it all, and Well, that kind of ends it right there. And so they flounder around for a week or two or a month or a year, sometimes much longer than that, and then they think, well, I'm going to try it again. And they do, but then they end up discouraged again. And my thought is, is this really what Christian living and what the Christian life is all about? Hmm, I don't think so. The book of Colossians, where we're going to be looking today, teaches a totally different way to approach our Christian living. One that I think if you look at it and let it sink into you, will change, will revolutionize the way you walk with Christ in your daily life. You see, he doesn't want us to become good. That's not what he wants, just to become good. He wants us to become like Christ. That's a tall order, but that's what he wants for us. In Romans 8.29, Paul says, It is God's will that we become conformed to the image of his Son. That means we become like him. His Son is Jesus Christ. The thing is, we can never, ever succeed at that on our own. None of us have the power to do that on our own. And so the thing for us to remember is that it's a lifelong process. It's not boom and it's all over and done with. It's a lifelong process for each and every one of us, and it's something that we can't do on our own power. We are powerless, but by his power at work in us, we can become more and more like him each day. So today we're going to take a closer look at how that can happen. I want to start <clears throat> with the passage just before Colossians 2.7. I want to start at 2.6 because Paul gives us a, a pretty big key here for our success in the Christian life. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Key is you must continue to follow him. So how do you do that? What does the Christian life look like? Well, that takes us on to the next verse verse 7 which says let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness paul saying that you live the christian life the same way that you enter the christian life how do we enter that well we do it by surrendering our life to christ By opening our heart to him and trusting him to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's to forgive our sins and to save our soul. We can't do that for ourselves. As much as we may try, we cannot do that. So how do we continue in that Christian life then that he tells us we must do? Well, it's the very same way. It's day by day by day, surrendering ourselves to Christ, opening our heart to him and saying, Jesus You know, come in and do for me what I can't do for myself. Help me to overcome my sin and to live a holy life that pleases you. It comes down to this. We're saved by faith and we live by faith. Day after day after day, we live by faith. If your Christian life looks like a roller coaster, and sometimes it feels that way, then I think the scriptures that we're talking about today are ones that can help you find some stability in your Christian walk. Amen. Thanks.
1: Paul uses in this passage of scripture what I consider key pivotal phrases that are crucial to living in Christ. I believe that these help us with the consistency. When I was a young believer, I was introduced to this passage of scripture... I became a part of a discipleship program that the Navigators had launched. And it was called the 2-7 program. It was based on Colossians 2-7. It was actually on the ground roots floor of that. And yes, that was back when I had hair. It was a long time ago. But this verse has become my life verse over the years. Um, first of all, Paul says in Colossians 2-7, Let your roots Grow down into him and live your lives by being built on him. Let's take a look at that first phrase, rooted and built up in him. What's that look like? You know, what's it look like in the Christian pilgrimage that God places us on after we decide that he needs to be a part of our life? What's that mean? Those roots, our roots... They determine our character. They determine the decisions we make in life. We say things in life like you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You know, there's some truth in that. It doesn't matter where the boy lives. If he grew up in the country, guess what? It's going to affect his character, who he is, how he behaves. I'm going to use an example and I just for lack of uh, maybe feeling like an old person here, I want to ask a question and I need a response. How many remember the Beverly Hillbillies? Okay, now keep your hands up. How many remember the original episodes, not the reruns? Mm -hmm. A few of you. We remember Jed. He was out hunting one day and he he took his gun and he fired it, and he struck oil. It just gushed out. And he became a millionaire overnight. And his friends, they said, you moved to Beverly Hills, that is. And he did, but you know what? He was firmly rooted in the mountains of Tennessee. And it affected his whole life in Beverly Hills the way he reacted to people, it affected the things in life that he ate. It affected his view on money. It affected his entire life, and it was because he was still deeply rooted into the mountains of Tennessee. Well, in the same way, you and I, we create spiritual roots in our lives, and they affect and determine our character and who we are and how we think your roots determine your values folks they determine your priorities in life therefore to be rooted in Christ means that he is actually determining our character and our lifestyle let me give you an illustration a lot of you know we used to be involved in the coffee business And one of the things I like at One Life is that good Colombian coffee they serve up there. I'm a Colombian coffee drinker. And the reality is that Colombian coffee aroma and flavor and character has nothing to do with the bush or the bean. It has everything to do with the soil that's in Colombia. And that plant roots itself deeply in Colombian-rich soil. And that's where the bean gets its character, its flavor, its aroma, its taste. The same with Kona. The only place in America we can grow coffee is in Hawaii. It's called Kona coffee. It has a completely different character than Colombian. And it has nothing to do with the bush or the bean it's the volcanic soil in Hawaii that that plant is deeply rooted in. And it affects how it tastes, its character, its aroma, its color. Well, the reality is many new believers, they try to do good things. They try to replace bad things with good things. They really try to live a disciplined life, but they're doomed to fail. And that's because their roots oftentimes are not deeply rooted in Christ. Their roots, their values, their priorities are still rooted in the world. And in reality, there, there are many things they can root, their quest for success. Sometimes their roots are in themselves, and I, I was a lot like that when I first invited Christ into my heart. They've never really rooted themselves deeply in Christ. And that's where I was before I bumped into the 2-7 discipleship program. If you want to establish stability in your Christian walk, then you need to learn to live in Christ and not for him. And folks, there is a huge difference there, a huge difference Being rooted in Christ means you, meaning, it means that you allow him to establish himself so deeply in you by rooting in him that he's able to do in you the work that he needs to do and intends to do. Every time we acknowledge Christ as our Savior, bang, our roots go deeper in him. Every time we open his word and we read it, Our roots go deeper in him. Every time we ask for forgiveness, when our heart is pierced, bang, our roots go much deeper in him. The reality is the word of God at times influences decisions we make. That's what I'm talking about. Growing those roots deeper, it comes down to this. You become rooted in Christ by surrendering yourself in faith to Christ. And the more you surrender, the deeper your roots go into him. Paul says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and build up in him. That's what the Christian walk looks like, folks. In the Greek, this phrase is written in the present tense. It means that being built up in him. It's an ongoing process. And I use that word process a lot. I like to think that we're Christians under construction. And the reality is that process, it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. That doesn't give us an excuse to sin. The reality, it actually gives us a reason to keep on trying. You're God's project once you invite him into your heart. You're no longer your project. See, your successes and failure in the Christian faith is not based on what you do, the good things. You don't pat yourself on the back as a Christian and say, "Woo, look at me. I'm special. What you do as a Christian is you look at your victories in life and you know that it's only because you're deeply rooted in Christ, and in reality, it's his victory in your life. But here's some good news. God is not surprised with your imperfections. You know what? He's not surprised with my imperfections, and this young lady will testify. I've got maybe one or two, absolutely. Just a couple? A couple. Okay, I, I'm going to step out of the sermon. I've got to show you this. I want to show you Susie's notes for the message that she made. And by the way, her very first sermon, I asked her what she was doing in our office, and she said, I'm typing. I said, what are you typing? And she said, I'm typing a sermon. And I said, honey, I've got probably 25 years and three ring binders here on the shelf. You don't need to do that. And she sucked that, that beautiful brown head around the corner and said, Those are your sermons. So she does all of her own stuff on her own, but I wanted to show you what her notes look like. See? Now let me show you what my notes look like.
0: I think he was deprived of crayons as a child or something. I don't know.
1: We spend a lot of money in the course of a year on highlighters. (laughs) But the reality is, God is at work in your life. He's at work in my life. And it's the church's responsibility to offer new Christians, new believers, the opportunity to sink their roots deep in him. In the book of Philippians, Paul says in Philippians 1.6, And I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when christ jesus returns if you want to establish stability real stability in your christian faith you need to change the way you interpret your progress it's not our good works it's not the good things that we try so hard to do the reality is it's recognizing that every battle we win in life it's because we allow him to work in our life, to make us more like him. Living in Christ is establishing a relationship in him based on faith in the promise that he will one day prepare us for the ministry that he's called us to.
0: So that first phrase is rooted and built up in him. And then it goes on to say, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. So let's look at that second phrase. If you're filling it out on the back of your bulletin, the next words would be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. How many of you remember the character Popeye from the cartoons? Anybody remember Popeye? He had those giant muscles, always had a little pipe sticking out. He was a sailor man. That was his song, Popeye the Sailor Man. Well, Popeye was really a weakling. Yes, he had big muscles, but he was a weakling. His arch nemesis, Pluto, could slap him around all day long, and he could do nothing about that until he opened his can of spinach and gulped it down in one quick gulp, and then suddenly the whole tide was turned, and Pluto was history. He could knock him right out. You know, the thing with Popeye was that he didn't have any strength on his own. His strength came when he took in that can of spinach. Well, for you and I, it's that same way. We really have no strength on our own, spiritually speaking. Our strength is in our faith. We have to trust in God and believe in him with all our heart in order for him to strengthen us and to help us each and every day. We enter the Christian life by placing our faith in Christ. And that opens the door for God's act of grace in our lives. That's the one where he cleanses us, and he forgives us, and he saves us. Well, in the same way, we continue in the Christian life by placing our faith in Christ. And this opens the door for him to do another act of grace for each of us. And that's where he strengthens us to help us live a godly life in him. So back to Popeye for just a minute. If you've ever watched that cartoon, you know that he never did push-ups or pull-ups or practice with a punching bag, any of those things, because he knew the spinach was what he needed to help him when he needed to fight blue toe. And that helped him win the battle every single time as soon as he consumed the spinach. Well, for us, what we need to help us win our battle against sin and to live a life that pleases the Lord is to have faith each and every day in Jesus Christ. Christ is our source of strength, and your faith in him is the key that unlocks God's power in your life. As you place your faith in him, your strength increases. I'm so glad to have strength from Christ. We don't need to consume spinach because I can't stand that stuff. (laughs) But it's believing in him and trusting in him and growing in him. So how do we do that? Well, you do it the same way as when you became a Christian You become a Christian by saying something similar to this. Jesus, I can't save myself. You know, I've made a mess of it all. I need you to come in and save me and take charge of my life. And to experience God's strength and his power, we have to say something like this. I can't do it myself. Only you are there to give me the strength that I need to live this Christian life that I've now decided to live. So how does your faith increase in your spiritual walk? That verse tells us, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. As you were taught is the key part of that next section. If your idea of living the Christian life is that you're just going to do a bunch of good deeds and that's going to make God love you more and you're going to be better than everybody else, you've got the wrong idea completely. That's not what it's all about at all. Living the Christian life is not living for Christ. It's living in Christ. It's being filled, overflowing with him. Our faith grows as we learn about Christ. That's what this is all about, learning about Christ and as we are taught. You don't get saved and sit in some little spiritual high chair somewhere and be fed milk for the rest of your life. No, we need to have meat and potatoes, things that help us grow spiritually stronger so that we can reproduce and teach others. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what our ministry here at this church is all about, is to help you grow stronger in your faith. How do we do that as a church body for you here? Well, you're here today and you're learning. And each Sunday, God brings a wonderful message that helps us to learn. We're being taught in that way. The church offers a variety of different programs of small group studies and Bible studies that help us to grow. Sign up for some of those. Become a part of that. It'll help strengthen your faith and help you to grow. If you're not spending time each day doing a personal devotion, I really encourage you to do that. You know, it helps you to get into God's words, to read the Bible and spend time learning. That increases our faith and helps us to grow. Praying. Each day, talking to God, just like I'm talking with you right now. Just have that conversation with him. It doesn't have to be fancy words. Whatever your heart says, say it to God. He's there to listen. And another thing that we as a church can do is help you with all of those things and help you learn how to do these things. We also want to help you learn what your spiritual gifts are. As I told you before, we each have spiritual gifts, and they're used to help bring this body along and to fill in all the gaps that this church needs. You know, God's perfectly equipped us for, for what this church is called to do. And you're, it's all in you right there being a part of that. And so our job here as a church is to help you figure that out. These are some of the things that the church ought to be teaching you how to do and helping you to use those gifts and your abilities that you has blessed you with. That's what caring and connecting is all about. As you begin each day, your focus shouldn't be on whether you're going to do good deeds or bad bad deeds this day. Your focus should be placed on keeping your faith entirely on Christ and relying on Him to give you the strength to do whatever it is that He's called you to do this day.
1: Amen. I spent... uh... Not a lot of years, but a few years early in my ministry. And I actually think I became pretty good at telling people what to do. And then Susie hit me with this imaginary 2 between my eyes. That's what that den is right there. And she said, you know you're a master at telling people what to do. You need to tell them how to do it, Randy. And she had a valid point there. You know, that's what the church's obligation is. I mean, we can stand here and tell young Christians to do this, but how do you do that? And and that's some of our obligation um, in training. Paul wraps this up by saying, you will overflow with thankfulness. This is probably my favorite part of of this beautiful verse. That's a direct result of, of being rooted in him and getting saved and exposing yourself to sinking your roots deep in Christ. That's the training part of your ministry. We're talking about overflowing with thankfulness. In the very same way, Paul says we should overflow with thankfulness toward Christ because of what he has done for us and what he has in store for us. And I got to tell you, that's when things get way exciting. In fact, when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, you have begun the most exciting, incredibly exciting journey that you could ever experience on this side of heaven. And by the way, that's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end, it's the beginning. That's what the Christian walk truly looks like. Being rooted and built up in him. That's your conversion experience, but it doesn't stop there. Then Paul tells us that, that we're to be strengthened in the faith as you're taught. There's a teaching ministry that the church has responsibility to train up champions for Christ. But God doesn't stop there because then we overflow with thankfulness. You know what that's called? It's called ministry, folks. It's called ministry. After you're saved and equipped, God's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, I need you. The Bible describes the church as a living, breathing organism. We need lots of fingers and toes and legs and arms and ears and eyes. That's his perfect design for what a Christian ought to look like. That's his perfect design for what a church ought to look like. And when we put those pieces together, guess what happens to the church and us individually? We begin to go and grow and glow for the kingdom of God. And it's a trip. It's one you don't want to miss. We're going to take a look at our mission statement that Guy introduced last week. I want you to think this through after what we've shared about caring and connecting. Our mission is to make and guide devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Your obligation as a believer is to take advantage of that. And this overflowing with thankfulness is finding out what your spiritual gifts might be, experimenting with some of your abilities, plugging in in areas that you need to plug into. And if it's your ministry, great. If not, maybe God's got a different ministry for you to do. But it's experimenting with where he has you. We're going to close our service. I want to open the altars today. And I, I, I don't know if Pastor Guy does this. I think maybe he does. But the altar on my right, your left, I want to open it just if you have a need to come and to pray. Nobody will come and pray with you here. It's just a private place. Sometimes we just need a place to get before God. Maybe some of you have accepted Christ and, and you're just kind of sitting there. It's a good place to come and say, where are we going from here? You know, what's that next step? What are some opportunities to sink my roots deep in that you're going to want me to take advantage of? Maybe some of you are there and you're ready for your ministry. Where can I be plugged in, God? You know, what are my gifted areas, my abilities? We're going to be doing some spiritual gift tests uh, in the near future and, and try to identify some of those things. I, I took the test when I was actually involved in the coffee business, and my number one gift was pastor-teacher, and I remember laughing. And the fellow, I took it with his spiritual gift. He was my pastor, by the way, was administration. Within two years, I was in ministry, and he was an administrator at a state office and still is. Um, we need to find what it is that God, and what we do in our secular life doesn't mean that's our spiritual gift area. So we're going to do some experimentation, taking a look at where can God plug me in? You know, what can I be in the life of the body? This side, my left, That would be your right if you feel you want someone to pray with you. Maybe you're kind of thinking, you know what, I need to establish myself in Christ. I need to root into him initially. I need to kind of take the phone and dial 1-800-GOD and say, you know what, I need to connect with you. I need to have a relationship with you. I'd be glad to pray with you there, and we can establish that. Worship team, I'm going to ask you to come up to close. Let's bow our heads and go to Him and prayer. Father, we love you this day. We thank you for your word. And I think one of the things that I thank you for is the simplicity of it and how you're able to use it as a wonderful blueprint for Christian living. And I would ask, Lord, if there's anyone here or those that need to root in you today, that you would give them the holy boldness to step forward and come to the altar and ask ask you into their life. Maybe there are some that are carrying burdens for family members. Maybe there are some that uh, need to be anointed and prayed for. Uh, Whatever you might want to do, God, today, we turn the remainder of this service over to your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.